Welcome to How They Get Stuff Done, where we ask successful people about the productivity habits behind their success. Side effects of listening to this show may include elevated levels of motivation, acute feelings of inspiration, and lasting improvements to your productivity. Now, here's your host, Peter Akis. Hey, folks. Today, I'm speaking with Jessica Ely. Jessica is a mindset coach for high achievers, and she helps them reach their big goals without feeling shitty in the process. If you're wondering what a mindset coach is, you know you might hire a fitness coach to help you improve your physical fitness. And in the same way, you might hire a mindset coach to improve your mental fitness. I'm super excited to share this conversation with you because Jessica has coached me on and off over the years, and she still does from time to time. She was instrumental in helping me get my business off the ground as I was recovering from burnout. I've learned so much from her, and I know you're going to learn a ton from her as well. Jessica and I discuss whether setting goals is at all necessary, why you will always feel shitty if you don't know why you want things, why clarity comes from taking action, not from ever more planning, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So I thought for a long time about how to open this episode, Jessica, and I decided I would start here, which is to offer you my condolences. And now people <laughs> may think that that's weird, but I know that you're a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Oh, yes. Thank you. Sorry about that. That was a rough, rough watch. Zero touchdowns. Yeah. For the first time since like 2017. And, but you know, like on the other hand, I'm like, it took us 50 years to get back to a Super Bowl. And so the fact that we made it back to back is kind of like, you know, like take it really. This year we're complaining about not losing the Super Bowl and like we have really nothing to complain about. So that's a better problem to have than yes, like not exactly. making it there to begin with. That's a very right. positive attitude. I like it. I like Thanks. it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one thing I really would like to ask you um, Let's start here. I tell people that I teach them how to be more productive, which, you know, that's part of my marketing. But what it turns out is that a lot of people need help with their emotions. Um, it's not about literally getting more tasks done in a day. And I would like to know what is, the, when I say productivity, what does that mean to you? Productivity is the ability to get things done in the way that you want to after you've intentionally chosen to do something, right? So I think the intentionality part is important because we can be productive. You can even get a lot of crap done. Uh, but if it's not something that you actually want to do and haven't really chosen it, then like, what's the point? I like this. We already have our soundbite for this show to, to, to hook people in with. We're starting off with the good stuff. But I think that that is a very important message, and I've been trying to tell people this. It's not the message that um, people are not looking for this, or at least they're not searching for this. You know, like if people go on YouTube and they're searching for one of my like how-to videos on YouTube, it's always like how to get more done or like how to be more organized. Nobody is really saying speaking about this intentionality thing. Um, but I agree with you that that is so important. So. Um, this gets to the not only what is it that you want, but why is it that you want those things, right? So often I work with my students, they're, they're doing, they're like, Peter, help me set some goals for this year, okay? Um, 
And we always start with why. It's not necessarily only what you want, but why. So I'd like to understand, do you have a goal-setting process? And if so, what does that look like? How, how do you decide sort of what to work on? So I was very much like a goal-setting aficionado for a very long time, like especially in corporate. Um, I did a really good job of, you know, creating some kind of benchmark for myself and then I can break it down I can make a scrum board or a gantt charter like I I can do the things right it's not for a lack of skill but I think that intentionality bit was missing for me for so many years and then I burnt out really hard and after I burnt out like that I needed some time to just be and to to do things uh that I became aware of kind of as they were happening. And so my goal setting became very non-existent for a while, or it would be very short term. It would be like, oh, I just got really excited about this thing that I want to do. And so I'm going to try to get that done this week. And it was almost always based on some external constraint and it was never like I would just like to get this done by the end of the month because I said so right and it's really only within the last year maybe or 18 months that I've loosely been able to start introducing the idea of let's set a timeline or let's have an idea of how we want this to go uh, just for the sake of moving the ball forward right and it's still very loose for me because I know that I could really easily kick into that type A place again. Uh, that's just really not healthy for me or anyone else around me. <laughs> um, but I've also learned to be okay with this like more loose way of doing things. That being said, there are times when like, I have to get something done. And it's usually not for work, just because I've set up work in such a way that that isn't required of me. But when I need to get something done, the ultimate motivator for me is being clear on why it is I want it, what it is uh, about my life or my values or what it is I really want for myself that is going to be improved by reaching a certain goal and like man if I would have heard me 10 years ago I'd be like that lady is on something like that sounds <laughs> whack like you cannot get things done like that and yet I accomplish so much more now than I used to I'm way more at ease about it and and like things, like I'm more open to opportunities that I wouldn't have seen if I would have stuck to my super linear, like goals have to go like this kind of thinking. It was a really roundabout answer. <laughs> no, I think that's good. So I want to unpack that a little bit because there are a couple of things you mentioned there. So first of all, you mentioned that you worked in corporate as a copywriter, right? I did. Yeah, I did technical writing. Technical writing. I see. And so... Um, when people hear you say that, you know, you actually don't need 
to set like goals or even specifically time bound goals because that's one of those things you mentioned right like i want to have this result by this time they may think that just does not comport with like the reality that they see especially people who have a corporate job or have their own right. business or whatever um and so these days you work as a mindset coach so i would like to understand a little bit do you believe that even people who, because as, as a coach, you have a lot of flexibility and freedom with your time, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're working for yourself, you have clients, but you can organize your own week and you can go at your own pace. People working in a corporate setting and a business setting may not have that. So you were able to let go of very formal goal setting. And even though you kind of came back to it a little bit for a long time, you had a lot of results without setting very specific and strict goals. Right. Is that something that you think works for, can work for anyone? Or would that be specific to people who do have a lot of freedom to spend their time as they wish, kind of like you and me? I think it's a little of both. So I think if you're really, I think on a macro level for for any organization, right, you can have some level of looseness to these goals, right? I think if you are the high level person driving the vision of a company or a group of people, it's important that you not be overly married to some kind of timeline. Um, It's just going to screw over your ability to see potential and opportunities and to capitalize on them because like people like me 10 years ago get too hung up on, well, this is what I could get. Here's the trajectory we could reach. And this is what our charts say. And here's all the things we could mark off and look at all the progress we could make. And cool. But like, if you're missing the thing that serendipitously is coming along to you because you were too hung up on what you wanted, uh, you're missing out right now day in and day out if you are i mean let's get real i was a cog in a wheel right so it wasn't (laughs) up to me like well you know i don't really feel like making this manual this week that was not an option okay when you are in that position which all of us are sometimes i am sometimes in my own business right when you are kind of beholden to some kind of external timeline, the key there is to change what's motivating your taking action on that thing, right? So are you taking action because you feel like if you don't get more done, you're going to be fired and that would be very bad, right? Bad. <laughs> bad, right? You just, the slap on the wrist from whoever, corporate the headhunters, the your HR spouse. people, your spouse, exactly, right? My kids are going to starve if I don't get this done by Friday like my boss asked me to. It's That sounds extreme, and yet there's so many people who I talk to where that's actually what's driving them. It's like, oh, I need to provide for my family, and so I better get this done in time. If you can flip the motivation to this is a job that I want, is it even? I don't know, right? Hmm. Ask yourself that. Um, this is a job I want. I enjoy these aspects of it. This is why I want to do a good job here. Here's why I care about the people or the project or just feeling like I'm a human who does what they say they're going to do. Find the positively oriented motivation that's not dependent on you feeling like all hell is going to break loose if you don't hit some kind of time stamp. So what I'm hearing here is this is about fear. This is a topic that 
you and I have talked about this a lot because it's, you know, people know this by now because they've listened to the introduction, but you coach me sometimes. And one of the things that I struggle with is fear. So we've, we've had many conversations about this. Um, and I find this fascinating because, you know, just on a very concrete level, right? Like if someone is in that position that you're describing, they're setting goals, but they're kind of trying to achieve stuff because they're worried about what might go wrong. Really concretely, like what is an action that someone can take to get away from that and move more in the direction of doing things based on their why, based on their values, their intention? How, like, Where does someone start with that? I think the first thing you have to understand is like what is that core fear for you so i this is where the patriarchy has screwed men over for many <laughs> men really uh, yeah. like for many men it is like it is my job to provide for the family mm. right and so if i lose this job if i don't make enough money if i don't uh be the stable person in this family unit right then I have somehow failed. Many men get their worth from their ability to provide, okay? So is it that? Is it that uh, somebody who said something about you 20 years ago, is, that would actually be true, right? You got yeah. accused of being lazy or like inefficient or not smart and now you're working to prove that you are not that anymore what is the thing because until you really understand that i mean here's the deal that's driving more than your goal setting and how quickly you are reaching deadlines and so the clearer you are on why why am i doing this why do i care why do i feel the pressure and Sometimes I tell people to ask 20 whys. Now 20 is a number. That's a lot. Right. Like I pulled that out of my ass, but on purpose because it's so many so that you keep going because the ultimately the only reason any of us does anything after 20 whys, you're either going to say like, screw it, stop asking me. I'm just doing this because I want to, or it's going to be some kind of fear that you uncover. And that's really the only two answers. And so if you ask all these whys and you keep coming up with excuses, you know there's something there. And that's the thing to go figure out so that you can build some awareness around, holy crap, I've been making a lot of my life decisions around this fear. And okay, cool. Now, what do I do to show myself that that thing isn't going to happen or to show myself that if that thing happens, I will be okay. Or to show myself that I can handle something coming out of the blue and scaring the crap out of me and catching me off guard. I can handle that. And so it's okay. You have to actually deal with whatever that route is, or it's going to be really hard to ever get to that place where the thing that is motivating you is because this is how I want my life to go, because this is what I enjoy, because this is where I would like to go. It's really, there's there's not much point about talking about holistic success until you've uncovered that bit. Yeah, I love this. And I really want everybody listening to think about this very carefully, whether they need to ask themselves these questions or whether they're in the habit of doing it. You know, for example, one of the things I've been doing with my students in a live program that just ended 
is I had them write down all their goals and, you know, like phrase the goals nicely and stuff. But then I also made them ask themselves why. And for some people, this was really hard. Like some people are just not used to asking this question. So when you say go 20 levels deep with asking why you want to do this um, until you arrive at, you know, just to summarize what you're saying, either I really want to do this or I guess I'm really afraid of what happens if, you know, if I don't. Um, you know, how would you recommend that people do this? Is, there, is it journaling, for example? Is introspection a good way of doing this? Should everybody go and meditate? I mean, yes, they should, but like, you know, I want to hear your answer. Um, or do you think, honestly, this is what people need a coach for? Like, are people able to figure this out by themselves? Do they need help? It depends on the person, right? I mean, my husband, if he would try to sit down and talk about this, he would just go more and more nuts. Uh, if so he's the kind of guy who needs to like just sit and be on his own enough mm. and and he'll actually get there if I would try to do that I would get nowhere so uh, for a long time I did journal I that was what created all of my clarity for probably three four years and it was just me and a pen and I was terrified at the things that came out then it be, that became less effective for me. And I don't know the last time that I had a really good journaling session. And at this point, I have a coach and I can send her a message. And by the end of the message, I'm like, cool, got it, thanks. Right? <laughs> um, Very efficient. It is. Um, so I think the key there is to be curious and test things and see where you create some kind of noticeable change for yourself. I'm not going to say an improvement, but where do you stand up from whatever it is you did different than you sat down, right? So I agree with you. I use meditation a lot, but it probably took me 18 months before I got anything out of it because my mm. head was just constantly buzzing. And so it was more effective for me to use a pen because the constantly buzzing in my head could actually come out, right? Yep. The key is that you notice some kind of difference when you finish whatever it is you're doing compared to when it is you started it so that you can actually, that, that means you're creating some kind of awareness, right? Yep. And without that, like nothing's really changing. You're just kind of, you've quite frankly, you've probably turned whatever it is you're doing into another to-do list item. Like, oh, okay, well, I journaled for the day and I meditated because some guy named Peter told me I should and now I'm going to go crush my other 10 things on my list. This sounds really familiar to me and I'm sure it's going to sound really familiar to a lot of people as well listening. So it's interesting that you mentioned the introspection or, you know, whether it's working with a coach or whatever, but the awareness, the awareness of what's going on. So you mentioned that you burned out pretty hard. I, I had the same, you know, experience at some point. And one of the things I realized, this may not be the case for everybody, but um, one of the reasons that I burned out is I did not know what I was feeling. I literally had yep. no idea. And so I really had to learn to figure out what the heck was I feeling. Um, and without that, there, I wasn't going to be able to figure anything out because if you don't, if you're not aware that you're afraid of something, you're experiencing all the unpleasant effects of being scared of something without being able to address it as like, holy shit, this is just my fear of like, you know, whatever happened in high school, some person like made fun of me and like I'm worried of being made fun of in the same way in my professional life now. Yep. So, um, and I do think I, I do think a lot of people may not be super aware of their emotions is there anything you can say to those kind of people if people are feeling you know what like i yeah i could use some help with figuring out what's going on what could they do i think the first thing to ask yourself is 
okay, like people like you or I who are high achieving and spent a lot of time in this place of I'm going to go, 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 go. And I don't, yeah, like up in their heads, right? About like, what am I going to do? And um, we tend to have a really strong ability to delay gratification, we Mm -hmm. think, right? So we're doing what we're doing because like, well, in five years, this is going to be smart. I'm going to be really glad that I did this this in 10 years. Right? Yeah, like this this totally makes sense. I was doing everything so that I wouldn't be broke, right? Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like graduate from school in seven semesters while working full time. That seems like a good move because then I won't have as many student loans, right? And meanwhile, like I'm literally dying a little bit every day and I'm only 22. Um, and so I think first recognize are you kind of bullshitting yourself by saying, well, this is going to pay off down the road? Like, yes, we all need that. But is that actually an utter crock for you that you've sold yourself on because you think that you need to get somewhere ambiguous? Then it's a... Here's why I say that. We think that we're good at this external like long-term gratification, but it's almost always because we are uncomfortable with what it is that's going on inside right now. So it's easier to go for something long-term and external than it is to just shut up and sit down with your own head for five minutes. Um, And, you know, you may not be in that... (laughs) I was in pretty bad shape there for a while, right? (laughs) So you may not be in that place, but notice where you get uncomfortable being with yourself. Notice where it is you can't turn off the thing that you're always doing. I was just talking to somebody and she's like, every time I sit down to meditate, I start to itch like crazy. Why is that? And I was like, it's probably because your nervous system is so used to going nonstop that as soon as you try to turn it off, your body needs something for you to pay attention to. So you have to itch so that you can't sit still. Like, how inclined are you to always needing to be on and going? If you can't sit and watch Netflix without doing something else at the same time, or you fall asleep thinking, or you wake up with your phone, or these like small signs that you are just always on, the first thing to do is figure out how terrible you feel when you are off. And how can you sustain that feeling until you realize that being off or quiet or having less noise for a little while actually doesn't kill you? Yeah, I love this because so many people try to solve their, I'm going to call these productivity problems, but people can phrase it in different ways. This is what I was saying earlier, right? Like a lot of people find me, you know, because they they think they have a productivity problem. Turns out that they often have a different problem. Um, But other people with the same problems may search for different things. But people think that their problems will be solved by doing more. So for example, a lot of people will tell me, you know, um, one of my students, he draws comics, like cartoons for comics, you know, and he has a bunch of clients like magazines and stuff. And he's like, I would like to do that full time. But right now I have a day job and I, I do this in the evening. 
And so he, he thinks that's a productivity problem, you know, he frames it that way. But it turns out it's not really a productivity problem. It's not like, yeah, I can apply more structure to his life. I can help him organize his tasks, his projects, his goals, et cetera. But those things are only going to help on the margins. Really, what's going to help him like have that other life that he wants um, is doing some major introspection about like why does he have a day job right now? Why does he feel uncomfortable leaning into this? Yeah, and so you and I, Jessica, like we went more in the direction of life that has, you know, that matches our values, that has more meaning and purpose for us by getting out of corporate land um, and starting our own thing. Uh, you know, is that the only solution? To, to, to building a, a life where you're you're spending your days, you know, your productive activities, your work um, in a way that's more aligned with your values? Or is this something you could find in like a big corporate environment? No, I mean, you can find it anywhere, right? Because, I mean, we would be screwed if the whole world was full of entrepreneurs, okay? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to just say it right now. If everybody's head worked like yours and mine, we would be in a world of hurt, <laughs> Um, We'd have, we wouldn't have any shoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. True. Um, so I think the key there, though, is what you said that like you and I figured out what it is we valued and then went and created a life that lined up with that. Right. And so the question is part of a life that you like may be that you're on for 40 hours, somebody really appreciates you, you're well compensated, you get to work with people you enjoy, and the projects are varied, or they're always the same, or I don't know what you value, but figure it out, right? And then work towards that kind of workplace situation for yourself, right? So that may mean if you are really, if you are, could be happy in corporate, that may mean that you need to advocate for what it is you are or aren't working on. I don't know. Do you need to advocate for when it is you're working or like, are you actually being fairly compensated? Do you just need to move to a different cubicle so you don't sit by that one guy who does that one thing that's really annoying, right? I don't know. Like it, it, I talk to my students a lot about noticing what it is they're tolerating. Because it's easier for us to sometimes um, pay attention to what am I putting up with, right? What, what, like, what is that thing that you go home and you bitch and moan about? That's a thing that you're tolerating. And that thing, if you start to take some level of responsibility for that thing and pay attention to how it is you could change it or advocate for yourself and see what kind of alternate options there are available to you then you start to consciously create your life even if you're working for the man nobody says you you can't work corporate the question is do you feel like you are still creating your life and that's the important part you can do that while supporting somebody else or a company or whatever right but did you choose it? Was it on purpose? And are you taking responsibility for enjoying your life and paying attention to the places where you could improve something? Yeah. I like the intentionality that you emphasize because, I, you know, I think a lot of people kid themselves about how they ended up in the job that they got, you know? Like, so when I was in college and I graduated, I was like, maybe I should go into consulting. Let's apply to some consulting firms. And guess what? I was like hired at a consulting firm and yeah. I worked there. It was like, 
what maybe one day I could have had a different thought and I could have applied somewhere else and I would totally started like the first sort of four years of my work life in a very different way. Um, so I think a lot of people are kidding themselves about like, you know, their career path or whatever. Um, and but I do think it's uncomfortable, right? So so basically, you're asking people to do things that could be uncomfortable because maybe the the end result of uh, thinking about this is like, yeah, the job that they have right now, it's not going to match um, what they want. Um, any advice for people that are stuck in a situation and they're afraid? So <clears throat> I think something you just said is key. You talked about your experience and how like, oh, like you just had this crazy idea one day. I'm like, I'm going to sign up to be a consultant, right? I literally quote unquote chose to be a technical writer because getting an English degree was the fastest way to graduate, which <laughs> like when you are an out of state student paying for everything yourself is kind of a big deal, right? So yep. I was like, okay, I can graduate real fast with an English degree. But a lot of times, those are just overeducated baristas. So how am I going to make money with an English degree? Well, I'll add a technical writing minor to it, and then I'll make money. Which was true, right? But clearly not something that I like thought through and made a priority with my values. It was convenient. It was convenient. And so here's the thing. For people like you and me, I think the thing that often screws us over is that we are smart. And we could be good at damn near anything. And because of that, whatever it is that is convenient or solves uh, some low-lying problem right now or prevents some kind of pain that we don't want to experience again, we just go do that. And it turns out we are moderately successful at it because we could be moderately successful at pretty much anything. Right. And so the question is not, can you be good at the thing or is it a viable option for you? It can't, that can't be the question. If you landed where you are because you're good at it, that's not good enough. And so that's also, though, what keeps us stuck is that we are so smart about things that it doesn't make sense to give up this good job. It doesn't make sense to go back to school when you're 40. It doesn't make sense to give up this six figures and all the bonuses and the private jet and the, you know, private whatever it is, all the perks that you have that come with whatever it is you're telling yourself is okay. That's why I said pay attention to what you're tolerating because you're probably putting up with things for some kind of quote-unquote logical reason. There's some kind of justification you have for dealing with whatever it is that's not really as good as you want it to be. And you're probably using your intelligence to explain away what it is that could be better for you. So my takeaway here is people should just do whatever the hell they feel like doing and not think too much. <laughs> I mean, there's certain there's a certain degree of that that's actually true, right? There are people who are intelligent enough and uh, determined enough. There's like a certain group of people, the overthinker, intellectual, probably the people who listen to this show, <laughs> right? Probably. Who, who could be good at whatever it is they choose to do. 
Now, it may take a certain amount of time or you may need to learn new skills or you may need to hire certain support. I'm not saying you're going to nail it right away, but you could be good. Whatever it is you choose to do could be a viable option for you. And so, yes, if I had a nickel for every client who I told to just go half-ass something a little bit more, right? Because their half-assed version is plenty good and I want you to just go try stuff and see how you like it and see what works for you and figure out what you actually want for yourself rather than like feeling like you have to whole ass everything and then hate it. Yeah. I'm, I love that you brought that up because it brings me to a question that I've been meaning to ask you. Sort of, if there is one mantra that I feel like I've learned from you, it's that clarity comes from action. So I wanted to ask you about that. So it's very topical now. Um, you know, I struggle, I, many people may not know this, but I struggled for like several years to, to do this thing called entrepreneuring, right? You want to be an entrepreneur, but you're not really doing anything about it. Um, and you're just like, you know, consuming a lot of information and pretending that you're running a business, but you're not. So I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and, and you and I had conversations about that. And at some point, I remember you telling me, okay, Peter, you're no longer allowed to like consume any information. Now you just have to go do stuff, which, which, which is, mattered a lot. And that's something that, uh, it's a message that I try to convey to a lot of people now because people will often come to me and they'll ask me, Peter, what should I do about this problem? You know, I could do A or I could do B. I'm like, I mean, how long ago did you think of this problem? Like, did you wait three <laughs> weeks to ask me about it? <laughs> like, in the meantime, you could have just gone with A, seen whether you liked it. If you didn't yes. like it, gone with B. Um, so why is there such a problem for people? Why, why do people get stuck in indecision? Uh, again, I'm just going to like speak to the you's and me's of this world. Uh, we want to look like we have our shit together. If you've generally lived the kind of life that, uh, other people are like, wow, that's really impressive. Or like you were the good student. Can I tell you how many people I have? I don't know if this is a thing everywhere, right? But in America, the gifted program is a thing, right? When they, Mm. they stick all the smart kids in a different room. And and now you are the ones who are, you know, most likely to succeed. Yeah, and, here, here in the socialist country, we don't do these things. You but don't yeah, do those things. Yeah, no, no, it's no. A, but it's, but there's like, there's, it's a good move. We actually, actually have three levels of high school, so I actually right, kind exactly. of do this. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and so if you were always the person who had it figured out and who always had the answers, those people are particularly inclined to looking for, well, what is the most efficient way to reach my goal, right? But I don't want to make the wrong choice because what if it takes six weeks longer? And it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, and you've been thinking about that for eight weeks because (laughs) you just didn't want to flip-flop on this thing and admit that you quote-unquote wasted six weeks, Right. And so better to keep the chaos up in your head where nobody else can see it and judge you for it. And your veneer of having it all together can remain intact than to try it and be one of those people who's changing jobs and talking about things and looks like a hot mess. And, you know, every Christmas party, they have a different occupation and nobody can figure out what they're doing, but they're happy. And you just, you don't want to be that person. So let's not experiment too much and let's figure it all out up here before we, you know, expose ourselves to the rest of the world and let them judge us for it too. Yeah. And this, 
you know, this sounds a lot like making yourself vulnerable, right? I, I yeah. think a lot of people try to protect themselves. But I actually want to go back because um, you said I'm going to speak a little bit to the yous and me's of the world. And, and this yeah. reminds me of something that I saw on your website because, like, I, I was perusing your website today, you know, I was preparing some questions for you. And one of the things it says on your website is half of all mindset advice is wrong for you, which I found yeah. very interesting. So, first of all, we got, we got to take a step back and just explain to people, okay, Jessica, you're a mindset coach. What do you do? Like, what, what are your work activities, Jessica? What do you do as a mindset coach? <laughs> Um, you just I, yap at people. I, I yap at people. I, I was about to say it. Like, I'm like, I do this all day. This is basically what I do. Um, I mean, I my job is to help people figure out what it is they want and then and what it is they really want, actually want, right? Which is not as clear for most people as they think it is. Yeah. And then help them go get it. And who right? needs help with that? Everyone. <laughs> I mean, who, who it, most needs help with that? Who most needs help with that are the people who tend to overthink, hmm. who think there are right and wrong answers to these things, who have a very, who are very ambitious and simultaneously uh, very practical or logical or strategic. Right, because those things are often in conflict. You cannot be highly ambitious and like overly strategic. They can't exist because in order to reach whatever it is that your head went to when I just said highly ambitious is going to take a like a completely different version of you that if you just continue to make linear project progress with your strategic head, you will never get there. And so are you willing to abandon who it is you are now to go get what it is you tell me that you want? Yeah. And so this gets me back to what I was saying earlier. So on your website, it says half, half the mindset advice is wrong for you. So let's say people are aware that they have, that they have a problem. You know, they, they, they need help figuring out you know how to get where they want and what and just figure out well, what do they really want um they could go and like read all kinds of articles about this they could go and watch a lot of youtube videos about this but i have a feeling that you don't think that that's the right approach probably not the there can be value in that just because it helps show you what the wrong thing is to do Right. Mm. So you may need to just get to a place where you're sick of your own crap. It mm. took me like binge listening and binge learning and binge buying. And, you know, I was the person who came home from the library with 30 books kind of thing. Yeah. Um, been there. <laughs> yeah. Like it may take that before you are really sufficiently sick of that part of yourself. Because what you're doing there is showing yourself there is no place where you will know enough to feel ready, right? Mm -hmm. So the readiness is actually an internal thing and not a mental thing. It's not a like, okay, well, now I've sufficiently studied and I'm well prepared for this. It's more so, can I get myself, like I just said, to a place where I'm ready to abandon this identity that I've had? I'm the smart person. I'm put together. I'm responsible. I'm stable. I'm whatever. Can you abandon that identity in favor of this thing that you say you want to go for, 
but you have no model for. Many people who are successful have always been successful. Like if you showed up in kindergarten and you rocked it from day one, you don't know what it is to not be successful. And it's uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable to suddenly not have your shit together, not have the answers, and go for something just because you want to. Yet it is really important <laughs> for, for especially that kind of person that they learn to, to handle this discomfort. That's true. Um, so one of the things I've been wanting to ask you about as well is um, you have four kids. So this is a very different yeah. topic, but, but I really wanted to ask you about it. Um, I don't have kids. So I'll often get questions from my students. It's like, Peter, this sounds great. You, you know, this sounds like a great process that you're teaching me or workflow or whatever but I have kids. In fact, sometimes they're like, I have five kids. One of my students the other day, and I'm like, great. Um, so, you know, uh, let, let's keep it at the topic that we were talking about. Like if, if you need to do some of that self-awareness building, you know, to try and figure out why whatever your job or career or whatever is, it's not, you're not super satisfied with it. You, you, want, you know, you want something else. How do you find the space when you have kids to even figure this out or or even you know we can start with the baseline how, how can you get anything done when you have four kids but then like <laughs> for the for that next level of like things that really require some introspection how do you do that this goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning is like are you okay with questioning how it is you show up as a parent right because so many parents show up with the same type of fear-based motivation that they show up with in their corporate life. Mm. If you are omnipresent with your kids because your dad was always MIA, that that can't be your motivation for being with your kids. You can't not tell your kids, no, I can't play with you right now because mommy really needs to go sit down and meditate for 20 minutes or I'm going <laughs> to lose my ever-loving mind. It, you won't tell them that if you think it's more important that they think that you are always there and attentive to mm. their needs, right? And so now I'm not saying that I haven't not meditated because I decided to go be with my kids, but it is sure. always a conscious choice. If I'm choosing to focus on me, it's because I think that they're okay right now and that it's actually more important for me to take care of me right now. And then there are times where I can tell one of them or hell, all four of them are struggling, right? And then I really need to be there with them. And then it's time yeah. for me to like pull up my big girl pants and do my thing, right? But it's always a conscious choice. And I'm, I try to not be motivated by like, uh, oh, well, I don't want my kids to ever feel like X, Y, Z. If you're making decisions about how it is you don't want your kids to feel, if you're making decisions because you don't want your kids to wind up in therapy, you don't want your kids to have to struggle later in life, you don't want them to feel the way you did growing up, you're just being driven by this like, well, here's all the things that I'm trying to prevent. Crisis mitigation is not the same as consciously creating your own life. Conscious mitigate or crisis mitigation is something that we all need, right? When my right. kid broke her arm last year, crisis mitigation, yes, <laughs> okay, right? We're gonna figure out how to handle this. Yes. That's different from like 
how we should be living every day, day in, day out. The, save your crisis mitigation skills for actual crises and learn to discern what is actually a fire that needs to be put out and what is just a fire that you've concocted in your own head because you have some unhealed and undealt with baloney. Yeah. That is such an important message, and especially for those people who are experiencing a lot of stress, because I really recognize what you're saying in the, you know, when you always feel in crisis mode, you're going to be stressed out all the time, and yeah. sooner or later, you're going to burn out. So for those of you listening to think, you know what, I do always feel in crisis mode, uh, that's where your stress comes from. <laughs> so good yeah. job. Um, okay. Two more questions, Jessica. Um, first one, very important. Normally, when you and I talk, it is because you're coaching me on something and uh, you're asking me a lot of questions to help me figure some stuff out. Now I've been asking you a lot of questions. How did that feel? <laughs> no, I like this um, because it's it's different to think about this work for a bunch of people as opposed to mm. just responding to the person who's right in front of me. And I have worked individually with enough people that I refuse to be prescriptive. Uh, mm. Sometimes I think, you know, to the annoyance of whoever's interviewing me, but I'm oh, just, sure, yeah. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I'm just, I'm not going to, I, there are very few blanket statements I would ever stand by Yeah, because everybody's in a different place. And so interviews are interesting to navigate, right? Because it's like, well, if you're in this position, do this. And if it's more like this, do that, right? But I'm always going to advocate for intentionality, always. Yeah, no, that's that's why it resonated with me that it says on your website that a lot of the mindset advice or really any other kind of advice, right, is wrong for you because, you know, people have good intentions when they're trying to write stuff up online. But it's the same thing. Like if I'm telling people this is how I do it, yeah, if you have kids, this may not work for you, man. So like right. I, I really appreciate that message. And unfortunately, it means that people need to figure something out for themselves, which which can be harder than just following prescriptions. Yes. Um, yeah, but that's the way it is. Um, final question, where can people find you? Anything in particular you would like them to check out? Yeah, so you can find me at my website, jessicaelyelly.com. Um, I have a, you know, love-hate relationship with social media. So, like, I'm periodically on Instagram. I am <laughs> Jess Ely. But it's, um, you're better off going to my website. And if you liked this interview, I have done a slew of them. There's a page where you can go listen to other podcast interviews I've done and uh, hear how I've talked with other people because different people need different things. And so it doesn't always come out the same way. And you've got some great blog posts on your website as well. So I'll make sure that I link to your website and those pages in the show notes. People do go check that out. All right, Jessica, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, if you like the show, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you rated the show on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about Peter or about today's guest, check out the show notes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of How They Get Stuff Done. <laughs>